Welcome to the Golf Bubble with your host, Ben Harvey. I'm a golf professional with a goal to bring you the best in online golf content. I get up close and personal with tour professionals, golf coaches, and the most interesting people that I can find that work in the golf industry. Follow me online at Ben Harvey Golf Performance, or you can even join us on our public Golf Bubble Facebook group. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey and welcome to the Golf Bubble. This is Ben Harvey, your host, and I'm from Ben Harvey Golf Performance. So here we are with our second episode or our second show of the Golf Bubble. And I just want to thank again Tad Fujikawa for coming on board and being my first ever guest for the last episode. Uh, Tad, you're a super interesting guy and I really wish you lots of luck for the future getting back onto the tour and making sure you smash your goals for the future. So this week, well, I have a guy called James Hong coming on board. James and I have been friends on Facebook for some time, and we actually met many years ago, very briefly at the PGA show in Orlando. Um, if anyone doesn't know the PGA show in Orlando, you, you walk into a, the, the convention building and you look left, you look right, and it looks like the curvature of the earth is going to happen. It's absolutely huge. And I managed to actually meet James uh, at um at the show and, and we actually went for for drinks there's a big group of us that went for drinks afterwards and, and just got it to know a very very small amount a little bit more personally and i was really excited to to get james on board for this week's episode before we jump in with our interview with james uh if you've got anyone out there any listeners out there that know any tour pros or uh, golf coaches or professionals or just someone that might be in the industry that you find is super funny or got some great stories Send them my way. Get in touch with Ben Harvey Golf Performance. You can find me on Facebook, on uh, BenHarveyGolfPerformance.com. Anywhere you name it, you'll be able to find me online or on social media. So let's get right to it. My second episode and interview with James Hall. I am so happy to be here with my friend James Hong. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Golf Bubble podcast. So this week, my guest, James Hong. So let me just tell you a little bit more about James before I start asking him some questions and we can get into, into James's brain, see what's going on inside there. So um, James is a fantastic teacher based out in New York, uh, an incredibly accomplished golf coach uh, with a career spanning over two decades. Uh, he is a top 50 US kids golf master children's teacher. Uh, he's also a two-time golf digest teacher of the year by state which i'm pretty sure he can tell us a little bit more about that in a second uh, and also a uh, golf hall of famer mike adams apparently rates you as one of the best coaches on the planet so you've got some pretty big accolades there um <laughs> james thank you so much for coming on board and uh, welcome to the podcast welcome to the golf bubble oh thank you very much for having me yeah we've known each other for a while now <laughs> for a little while I'm going to make you sound like you're 55 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 31 at the moment, so uh, 55 is a way. I'm hoping my career tends to take off a little bit more when I'm 55, So, or at least by then. Otherwise, I think I might have to try a new profession. But it doesn't sound like you need to uh, be moving anywhere out of the golf industry anytime soon. So, um, James, we're going to have a nice, chilled-out conversation here. It's nice and relaxed. Um, if, if I do put this out on video, then... 
hey, uh, I've got some really big stupid headphones on. Uh, so I kind of look <laughs> a little bit like one of those guys out of uh, Doctor Who. I can't remember what they're called. Um, they're like the robot guys. But yeah, kind of look a little bit like that at the moment. So he- there's a visual for you on the podcast. Um, so you're originally from New York, I can see. Are you born and bred New York or do you have family in other places? Tell me about that. Well, actually, I was born in Virginia. Okay. And yeah, my father was a college professor. So he was working down at the University of Virginia as an assistant professor. And so, yeah, I was born in, in Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia okay. at the Paul Hospital. I actually I can't believe I actually remember this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's strange stuff that we do remember. I, I remember that I was uh, born on the 11th, the 11th. And my mom's going to kill me if I get this wrong. I think I, I weighed eight pounds seven and I was born at 807 some really weird matching numbers <laughs> so we we do remember those kind of things um you said your dad was a professor what was he a professor in he was a professor of political science and uh when we when we moved up here to New York when I was I think like two or three um he he, he was uh, working for at the City University of New York and he eventually became the chairman of the political science department here Oh, nice. So he's a pretty smart guy. I'm guessing that smarts runs in the family. Yeah, it seemed to stop at me, but yeah. <laughs> Skip the which, generation. <laughs> so which part of New York are you in? Because I think everyone just seems to think New York, New York, but uh, there's so many right. other places. Where, where are you? Yeah, I'm located um, in one of the five boroughs of New York City. So I, I live in Queens, New York. Okay. And I'm right at the border between Queens and Long Island. So actually, I live about 30, 30 minutes away from Bethpage Black. So oh, that'll nice. probably give people a better idea of where I am. Definitely. I mean, if, if any, anyone on our podcast uh, listening uh, knows Bethpage Black, probably one of the longest, nastiest beasts of a golf course out there. I haven't played it myself. Have you, have you played yeah. there? I've played it, and it, it's actually the only golf course that I've actually thought about walking off of. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... If, you, if you're playing a par five and you hit a really good drive and you hit a really good three wood and you still have a five iron into the green, you're going, I'm on the wrong course. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I think I'd be with you on that one. I'm not a huge hitter myself, but so you, yeah. you beast, I think for me, if I was to beast one off the T270 and hit another three wood out there, you know, maybe 240 or something, you think, oh, I'm doing really well here. And then you've just got the world in front of you still. So, oh man, that's, that's a long course. I mean, it was, hey, if, it was, yeah, it was weird because like we played, we just happened to play that one hole from the tees that the tour players were playing off of. And right. it was just, I was just shaking my head the whole time. I was laughing and shaking my head going <laughs> like, these guys are unreal. <laughs> it's just silly how far they tend to hit it. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm kind of moving on to a little bit more about the personal side of you. So I've done a little bit of a, a stalky stalk, shall we say. Um if there was one place you could live outside of New York, where would it be and why? Wow, you know, I've actually been thinking about this one and it tends to change. It's just, I think it's just my mood. Sometimes I'm thinking places like Costa Rica. I've okay. been there a few times now and I, I just love being there. Um, I saw my bucket list, that one. I love birds, of, but love birds yeah. of prey and beautiful exotic animals. So that's a, that's yeah. a great one on the list. That one, uh, I meant, I actually thought about living in Japan just because at the time it was close enough to Korea where I could visit some older relatives, but you know, we're all getting old. So some of them, they're not alive anymore. So I may not right. have that reason to be there. I just liked being there. And, but 
we went on a family trip to Europe a couple of years ago, and I just I just fell in love with Greece, Italy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just I mean, it everything looked like a movie set. It was like just walking onto a Hollywood movie set, and so that's another place I'm thinking about. I remember uh, you did a Mediterranean I think right now cruise those, a few years back. Yeah, yeah, I did that. That thing was, uh, I mean, my jaw was just like open <laughs> three feet the whole entire trip. I, was, I, I just kept waking up every morning on the on the cruise going, I can't believe I'm here. Yeah. It was just amazing. Suddenly, uh, you know, New York tends it's, to uh, look very, very different. <laughs> it's it's still funny, got the this, mug. this coffee mug. This coffee mug, we 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 stole a couple of these mugs from the cruise. Oh, I mean, no one still does have. that. You know, no one does that. Shh, no, um, yeah, I think uh, that that's a good little brand there as well. We won't we won't pop that on the podcast. But hey, yeah. I, it's not like I've got millions of listeners, so no one's going to care to be honest. But, um, <laughs> tell me about this quote: "Those that are quick to judge others are not only uneducated on the people they judge, but also themselves." Where did that come from and why are you passionate about it? It's, I, you know, it was sort of like an introspection as well on myself in that that's, I, that's the way probably I used to be when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And so I like looking back and kind of seeing the way I was and how I've evolved and, and going, yeah, you know what? It's a good thing this happened in my life because that, that changed me for the better. And so that's just one of the things I think, just thinking about myself um, as a younger James, what I was like and what it was, was like, I, like, like, you, like you said in the quote, it's just quick to judgment. It's like, oh, you're an idiot. Oh, you're, you know, whatever. Mm. You're the greatest thing. Uh, you're so smart. And, and following along that, instead of kind of taking a back seat and going, okay, I, I like what I'm hearing or I don't like what I'm hearing, but what's the reason behind it? Is it because... Yeah. Is it the other person or the other point of view, or is it is it me? Is maybe who's to say that I'm the majority point of view? Maybe sure. I'm the minority. So, and, you know, it goes back to the saying also of, of if you don't think of yourself as the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. and all of those things. They're they're motivational points, but you know, there there's a point behind it, and that's kind of a little bit of what I was thinking of when I said that. I think in terms of a, a more of a like a jokey point of view, uh, probably very similar to how I tend to see things. I always say, be a sponge. Right. Yeah, I, I say the same thing. Exactly. Be a sponge. And it's, you know, and a lot of that, too, I think. Um, how long ago was that quote? Ooh, Do you remember? I can't remember how long ago that was. Um, I, I saw it on your profile. It's just something that it, yeah. it really kind of stood out to me. So it's, do you tend to use that within your own coaching uh, kind yeah. of persona or, you know, right. your, your way of coaching, for example? Definitely. I, and, and I think that quote also was a little bit in reaction to, if remember, there was a time on Facebook where all of us instructors were yelling at each other and telling each other, you're an idiot, you're wrong. Yeah. And, and so I think that was a little it to do with that as well it's like hear the other person out maybe you'll learn something but mm. going, going to what you just asked yeah I mean I tend to say things like that uh, just because communication in our in our business is so important and sure. trying to say things and, and you know how it is when you're giving lessons as well it's like you may be saying the best information possible but if the other person doesn't remember it or can't mm. relate to it 
then it, it does you or them no good. And so sometimes I'm always looking for different ways, uh, cute ways or funny ways to say something and or, or, or things that'll just make you like, like we're doing now, like, hmm, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good one there. But that, right. that's that's very similar to my I think that's why I probably love following you on 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 online and social media and everything. And it's because uh, I, I tend to pinch analogies that other people use and use them in my own coaching because right. we can all learn from each other. And there is no in my thought is there is no right or wrong. And, and without going too much down the technical side of coaching, that's very much why. I, I like your videos and I, I definitely say to any of the listeners, uh, if anyone does listen to the podcast, uh, you know, go on and find James online, go and have a look on whether it's Twitter or Facebook, uh, Instagram, have a look at his videos. I love the stuff that you do in your house as well, by the way, really awesome stuff. Um, let's kind of move on to the next thing. Tell me a little bit more about your background in fencing. Oh yeah. When, when, when I was uh, younger, when I was in high school, I remember the, I think it was one of the first days of school, freshman year, ninth grade, walking around the hallway in school. And all of a sudden you saw these guys walking around with these really nice team jackets. Okay. And you know, you're, you're an impressionable 14 year old. You're like, wow, those are the nicest jackets. They're so cool. Like the jock those guys, jackets. Yeah. Those guys, they look so cool. And it wasn't even the football team or the baseball team. It was like, I'd follow those guys around. Like what team is that? Turned out it was the fencing team. So it was like, <laughs> wow okay and and so it turns out that there were kind of like open tryouts for the fencing team and 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 they would say because you know it's not the most uh popular sport in the world mm -hmm. it's if you're a beginner but you're really interested in learning how to do it you know, come on in and so i was like sure if i can get one of those jackets i'd love to and yep. that's how i got involved in it and and it just was one of those things when and to this day, it's like when I start to get involved in something, I really, I get obsessive about it. I, I immerse okay. myself. Uh, I'm the one who will take the bicycle apart and then try to rebuild it kind of person. And so I started doing all of that. And also what I started, you know, and I think a little bit of human person, human beings, we, we want to be part of something. Mm -hmm. And so inherently, I started to think of things like, how could I be a part of this group? How could I be more helpful? And so it started being not just learning how to do this and, and being someone that the rest of the team can rely on, but also like learning how to put together the equipment, how to, how to fix things and stuff. And that kind of was like was the prelude to me getting involved in how to, how to repair golf clubs later on. It's right, very okay. similar. So that's kind so, of then but, where it started. So you went on to repairing golf clubs and then golf yeah. kind of became a thing. And that was kind of then leading on to where I was going to, ask yeah. my next question of how you got into golf and that's super interesting uh you know looking at i mean when i i first got into golf because i actually kind of finished karate so um right. a, a yeah. lot of the, a lot of the listeners tend to know that i'm uh, an ex first and shotokan black belt like open hand karate basically right and right i used that meditation and stuff like that from karate into golf and it was kind of that natural transition it was just such an interesting story from you with fencing because fencing and golf just is not the most natural kind of right. you know progression or, or filter into that next thing so um i actually found that off of another golf coach so the i'm going to say thanks to them i won't mention names but uh what would you consider the weirdest thing or the funniest thing or story to happen to you on the golf course is there anything uh, that stands out, anything super strange or funny that happened? 
I think one of them that always comes to mind is, is one of the guys I used to play golf with a lot uh, was he was just one of the no shot bothered him. Okay. He could hit the worst shot in the world and he just found a way to, to laugh it off and say something funny. And, and I just remember one day he called me up and said like, Hey, uh, you want to go play this course? I said, sure. Okay. We went and played it. And <laughs> I could not stop laughing the entire four hours we were on the golf course. He, he would hit a shot. He would top a ball like a hundred yards and he would hold his pose like a tour player and, <laughs> and he would say something to the ball. And, and it's funny, it wasn't even like, he wasn't even cursing at the ball. It was just, I, he hit one ball, like I said, he topped it a hundred yards and he would say, run little Shiva, run to the village, run, <laughs> run, 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 run onto the village, warn the people. Oh my God. And, and, and then I'd stand over my ball and I couldn't, I couldn't hit the shot cause I was too busy laughing. And, and was then he, he would was start... he a common guy that you used to play golf with regularly or is it just a random? Yeah. Kind of person? He, he was a guy that I worked with um, at, at the, uh, the local driving range when we were first starting out and, and, and I'd be standing over the ball and he would say, what do you think you're Tiger Woods? Come on, move your punk ass club. Get, get going. He would, <laughs> I'd be in the top of my backswing and, and he would already be giving me grief or something. So it was like, I always say that's oh my the God. most fun I ever had shooting 93 in my life. <laughs> and that's never fun shooting 93. <laughs> I mean, unless you're in your 20s or 20 odd handicap, then yeah, it might be a bit of a different story. That's, that's funny. That is good. Um, who's the most famous person you played golf with or taught? And what was it like? Um... Wow. That's a good question. I think probably the, the first person that comes to mind is Johnny Miller Jr. Oh, John wow. Miller's okay. Son. Johnny Miller's yeah, son. Yeah. The great Johnny uh, Miller from the 70s. Yeah, that was funny. Um, you know, some of the some of the things that he would do on the golf course and, and it's like you'd watch him play. And I'm sure you've experienced this with a good player. It's like you'd watch him and all you could think of is it's like, how is this guy not? A tour player mm -hmm. and then you realize if he's not a tour player how good is a tour player oh yeah and, and uh he he said some nice things to me one day while we were playing you know so he'd be one and oh uh i, I can't oh chris weber was a guy i got to play a couple of holes with okay uh, he's an he's a former nba basketball player oh wow okay uh, it was funny looking at his golf clubs to this day, I think his seven iron was probably as long as my driver or something like that. It was just, <laughs> uh, he was a big guy. Yeah, um, I, I can imagine that. I remember meeting uh, a guy called Marcus Hanneman. I don't know if you're into soccer at all, but he was the um, uh, Reading goalkeeper, but he was also the goalkeeper for the USA. And um, uh, Marcus, I met him. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You know Marcus right, Hanneman, right, yeah? Right. I met Marcus at a local driving range and I had to go up to him and talk to him. And actually, I realized that he lived about five doors down from me and he was really local. So when he was living, I think he might have moved back to America now. And I remember seeing Marcus Hanneman and he was very similar to that of like a basketball player. And I remember... I said, oh, do you mind if I take a look at your clubs? Because he had these amazing golf clubs. You know, he, he wasn't short of a few pounds. So yeah. um, I, I picked up these golf clubs. I, I don't think I could get like two of my hands around the grip. Like it was just huge. And he showed me these hands and, and they were genuinely like buckets. It was just incredible. <laughs> um, and sometimes you just think with grips that big, 
how do you actually even maneuver you know and have a good wrist movement in in your goal swing so that's some interesting people you played there with i i've actually been listening to a lot of information about johnny miller so that's quite cool i i know people within the hardcore golf world will definitely know uh johnny miller's son or, or johnny miller for sure um so i heard that you love to sleep at pga shows yeah <laughs> yeah all of a sudden i become narcoleptic at the, the pga show it's, it's, <laughs> and, you know a lot of it is, is you just don't get any sleep to begin with during normal sleeping hours right it's 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 tough because it's it's not just a pga show but it's after the show after dinner and just everyone gathering around and talking and it's that fear of missing out it's like you hear wow these five guys are over there and yep. these four people are over there. We got to go. Over. And then you're thinking, all right, time to turn it in. I got to go. And then you hear like, hey, so-and-so is over there with a, with so-and-so and so-and-so. And so like, oh, my God, I got to go there. And, and then what makes it even worse, especially the last couple of years, is when the people you're sharing a condo with in themselves could be a seminar. Right. And you walk into the door and they're all sitting around the dinner table with a couple of glasses of wine. And, and it's like, oh, boy these guys are like, they're talking and you sit down with one eye open, one eye closed and you're talking till like three o'clock in the morning. It's just, it's, there's no way you can stay awake. You just kind of get hooked on it. And I've only ever been to the PGA show once. I remember my, uh, my mom and dad were actually out on holiday and I, I text them uh, a week before the show. And I said, oh my God, the, the, uh, the PGA show is on in, in Orlando. And they were actually in Orlando at the time where they were going to be right. there uh, coming off of a, a cruise ship to, to come into Orlando. And, and they sent me a text message. It was just one message saying, well, why don't you come out? I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and I think that's eventually actually kind of how we got the connection because um, right. I think we either met at the PGA show, it was probably would have been easily 2012, 2013. So it was quite a way right. back. And then we kind of connected through Jason Hellman and a lot of other guys, big shout out to some of you guys out there. Um, so where did the hashtag blame Hong thing come from? If, if anyone on the podcast uh, listening, if yeah. you know James or if you don't know James, James had a, a thing that was going around that kind of went mini viral within the golf industry. Uh, <laughs> hashtag blame Hong. Tell me where that came from. That came from Allie Gilbert. Uh, so you know, anybody wants to look up Allie G, she's a, a really well-known trainer, fitness specialist, nutrition specialist. And uh, she was she's based up in Connecticut and I would go up to her and we would do, we would like do some stuff together. And I would, I would go see some of the seminars that she was presenting at. And so we became really good friends. She, she, I would have some training sessions with her as well. And so what happened at the end of one of the PGA show weeks, she flew home and of course, Orlando, you know, it's 85 degrees, sunny, beautiful weather. And she flies yeah. into Connecticut and there's about eight inches of snow on the ground. <laughs> And she, she, she's a Jeep lover. She's driving her Jeep and she just is at a stoplight at a red light. And she just pulls out her phone and does a selfie video. And she's like, she just literally goes like, look at, look at what I'm, look at where I'm, I came home to look at all the snow. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Somebody needs to be blamed for this. And I blame James Hong. And that literally, <laughs> that was how so, it started. So she posted that online, I'm guessing. And, and then it just became everyone that we knew, mutual friends started jumping right on it, going like, I got a paper cut, I blame James. <laughs> uh, I lost my credit card, I blame James, everything like that. And then what started happening is, of course, I poured gasoline on it. And anytime somebody said, 
Can you believe how, can you believe, how, uh, what's your favorite soccer team? Uh, Manchester United. Manchester. Can you believe how Manchester United blew that game the other night? I can't believe they, they gave up, they let up two goals in the last five minutes of the game. I would see that and I would go, sorry, my fault. <laughs> I would, I would go and I would take the blame for it. Right. And that's Brilliant. how it, and it just kept snowballing from that. Oh man, that's funny. I always wanted to know where that story came from. I just kept seeing these hashtags everywhere and I'm like, what is this about? Nothing makes <laughs> sense to me right now. Um, and then some, some people who didn't know me took it seriously and like, God, this guy, this guy, James is an idiot. This guy's a jerk. <laughs> so pe people had to go like, oh, we're just kidding around. They, they would... <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. Oh man, social media has come a long, long way since then for sure. Um, dude, what's your obsession with donuts? You know, it's funny. It's that's kind of like the the opposite in that I don't eat donuts. Okay. <laughs> but but where that started was my one of our neighbors came one day and literally had a a plastic bag of donuts like this big. Okay. Like the size of of two basketballs filled with donuts. For anyone not watching, James's hands have like disappeared <laughs> away from the screen right now. I think about two soccer balls of of donuts. Oh my god. And and he dropped them at our house and basically it was like, oh, this is for, for your kids, you know, for, for them here, enjoy. And I just took a couple of pictures of it and posted like, you know, something about like, wow, thank you. Thank you for these donuts, whatever. And so people started giving me a hard time about saying, yeah, yeah, sure. They're for your kids. Sure. They're for your kids. Right. Sure. And then, and, and I made it worse because like on one, one of the trips I took to Costa Rica, a family trip we were at one of these all-inclusive things and they were making donuts right there in front of you. Oh, like fresh, fresh donuts. hot donuts. Fresh donuts. And then you oh. would have one. And it was like, it was like no donut you could imagine. And yep. so of course I posted that and I was like, see, you do eat donuts. Ha -ha. <laughs> but in actuality, I, I really don't eat donuts. <laughs> Oh man, that's brilliant. A lot of some of these questions for anyone that's listening, some of these questions are probably more so personal for uh, James and some of his friends or a lot of coaches uh, with, within the sector. And uh, America, it's, I think, much more so a much smaller community, even though your country is much, much larger than the UK. I mean, so many times bigger. The golf industry is a very tight knit kind of place. A lot of people know uh, a, a lot of people um, and that kind of leads me on to my next one I heard you do impressions yeah you know I was I, I used not I used to do I, I was doing some impressions and okay it was it was more just it, it wasn't so much impressions as just like copying mannerisms as, okay. as well you know like for instance I, I always found it funny when Chris Como would listen to somebody it's like you and I were just looking at each other through the screen. We're talking, but Chris Como would always be his arms are folded. And he's looking, he's kind of like, he's kind of always off to the side, like nodding his head like this. And he would say like, so, so yeah, that's an interesting point that you're making because, right. And, and what I would do is, is he would be talking to somebody and I just kind of like slowly move up next to him and just copy his manners. And so right, like that, oh, I would like, and then people would see me go, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And, and for some people it would be their voice. Like, I, I, I used to do Brian Manzella, like, you know. <laughs> Andy Griffiths and, out there, my friend. Andy said, you've got to do a Brian Manzella impression. Is this more of a verbal or a visual thing? Yeah, well, it was a little bit of both. It was like, ah, my name's Brian Manzella. <laughs> you know, for all you folks out there, welcome to my Eye in the Sky studio. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've listened to a couple of Brian's things. That's not a bad impression, my friend. That's you know, pretty like, good. You know, I'm just telling you, you got to make sure. That... <laughs> Stuff like that. Uh, if we were coming on to golf advice, so I, I try to keep the podcast away from huge technical stuff. Uh, I'm massively into the mindset and more so the the spiritual side of golf and the the the, the mindset of, of things. So what would be one of the, the easiest pieces of like golf life advice that you could share with our listeners? Yeah, I think um, you just have to realize that the game is based on failure. And if you're, if you're, if you're focusing too much on success, you're, you're going to kind of lose that. You're just going to go crazy. You're going to go mentally insane because, Mm -hmm. you know, the game is designed for us to fail. Okay. Uh, You know, golf course architects are evil people there. (laughs) It's, you know, they go and they go like, well, how far does the average person hit a driver? Oh, 220 yards. Oh, you know what? That's where I'll put fairway bunkers. Okay. (laughs) You know, stuff like that. It's like, uh, Oh, most people, most people slice the ball. Okay. Well, that's where I'll put all the trees then on the right side or something like that. It's, yeah. um, uh, so I think that it's the, part of the draw of golf. If you embrace it in this way is if you can accept the failures or manage the failures, accept them as challenges. Uh, I think that's when you'll really start to enjoy the game a little bit more. It's, it's kind of like, Oh, I'm in the bunker. Oh, and it's a buried lie. All right, you know, here we go. Let's give it a shot. Let's see what yeah. happens. And if and if you can't pull it off, like I was saying, my friend earlier, he just have a laugh about it. It's like, yeah, just just enjoy it. And and I I always remember the one time I had this one junior who was amazing, just an amazing player, mm-hmm. but she always was scared to play because she always wanted to wait till she was perfect. And That's interesting. So what, so she didn't play on the course or didn't play competitions? Didn't play competitions. And she could hit a ball like unreal. Mm. And we're talking way back, maybe 18 years ago. And this, this, this young girl at the time, remember 18, 15, 15, 18 years ago, 14 year old girls were hitting seven irons, like 110 yards, 120 yards. It's not oh, like today. For sure. Yeah. She was hitting seven irons, like 155 yards. Oh, wow. And, and just beautiful, but she could hit 15 in a row and the 16th one be 15 yards left. And that's the one that would prevent her from going and playing more. And I remember being on the golf course with her one day and she was in the trees and she was down, down on herself. And I said, you know what, we're going to have some fun. See that opening, pull off like a Seve shot. See that opening in the trees there. Mm-hmm. You can hit your whatever eight iron over that easily. And if you hit your eight iron, even halfway decent, you're probably going to be either on the green or just off of the green chipping. Right. And she's like, no, I don't know. I said, what do you care? Let's have some fun. Try it. She hit it. As soon as she hit the ball, it was like, oh my God, I think she pulled it off. Clips the last leaf on the last tree. Just at the last second. And then just kind of drops off back into the fairway. Right. But the fact that she, and I looked at her and I could tell she was about to go, I knew I couldn't do the shot. And I said, that was so cool. You almost pulled it off. How cool was that? And she got it. She was like, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, and that's what I told her. I said, see, that's, that's the point. It's yeah. not that you didn't pull the shot off. It's the enjoyment of trying the whole thing to begin Actually with. Actually it happening. And, and, and I think that's um, something I was 
I always say to my clients or students, you know, whichever you, you want to call them, um, yeah. when someone hits a bad shot, rather than getting frustrated because the next shot is going to be difficult, see it as an opportunity to do something ridiculous. Yes. And, and pull something exactly. off that, you know, every bad shot always has an opportunity to create something amazing out of the next one. And uh, a good friend of mine, they gave me a little trophy with a golf ball on it and it had a quote on it. And it was more so, I think it was more of a reference to how bad my dating record was back then. But it said, <laughs> don't, let the, um, don't let the fear of failure stop you from playing the game. Right. And, and that was, that just kind of summed it up for so many things for, for, for me, especially not just with golf, but with, with dating, with kind of an inside jokey reference that we had at that time. And um, right. so for any of you out there, that if you ever hit a bad shot on a golf course, use that as an opportunity to, you know, try and do something amazing that you can then go back to that 19th hole, sit in the bar and tell your friends, man, I just pulled off this ridiculous shot today. And I think that's really where that comes from. So there's probably that, that level of perfectionism as well. She's striving yeah. for that perfection uh, that, you know, hitting 15 absolutely nuked shots in a row to then hitting one bad one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not good enough. And, and that's quite interesting. And that sounds very kind of OCD or, or, or kind of characteristics as right. well. Um, I, I'm finding that I, I try to work a lot with people with autism and, uh, and people on the spectrum, for example, because their, their, their attention to detail and perfectionism, if I can get them to take that fear away and just go and do it, man, the things that they can accomplish are absolutely amazing. And I'm absolutely, do, yeah. do, you, do you work a lot? Cause um, for anyone that listening, James is a fantastic coach uh, with juniors and that's where, where you've won a lot of your accolades. Um, what would you give one quick, like 30 second piece of advice for any juniors that want to play the game? It's exactly what we talked about is don't be afraid of hitting the bad shots. Uh, just embrace them. And kind of what, what I do with a lot of kids is this, when they hit a shot, regardless of how good or bad it is, I, mm -hmm. I'll ask them right away. First question. What do you think you did well there? What do you think you did good there? Yeah. Right. And then the next thing is, is okay, what do you think, if you had to hit that shot again, what do you think you could do to make it better? So I never say, why was that so bad? Sure. Why'd you hit a bad shot there? It's the other way around. It's like, well, what do you think you did well? Or if I do happen to say something like, well, did you think, you know, yeah, that wasn't very good, but what could you do to make it better? Right. Or I'll just say, yeah, the, you know, the shot may not have turned out really good, but I, but you really did a great job focusing on everything that you wanted to do. It's just mm -hmm. sometimes it just doesn't work. Big deal. Yeah. Right? And and they get it. They, they nod their head. Yeah. Yeah. It's no big deal. It's kind of like making technical language quite basic for them. And it was something my coach did with me with my I had a relationship with my coach for six to seven years. And uh, me, like any other junior, sometimes you get anger problems. I think we've all been there when it comes to snapping a golf club on the golf course yeah. at some point. And uh, he always used to say to me, there was no such thing as a bad shot. It was either OK, good or excellent. There was no yeah. bad shot. It was just you just didn't execute what it was that you that you that you were after. You know, if you've put a hundred percent of your energy into the the, the pre-shot routine or the the mannerisms that you want to call it, and you've tried to execute it and it didn't happen, at least you can say to yourself that you put a hundred percent of your effort into it. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a really nice little piece of advice. Um, let's move on to our last section. Um, before we move on to the last section, James, you don't have your uh, very famous green jumper on. What's that about? Yeah. 
Well, it, it was funny. It's like I, I always had this green fleece jacket and uh, my sister-in-law had gotten it for me. It was from Japan and it was mm -hmm. from the company Uniqlo, which is becoming very popular now. And I put that on. It was like amazing. It was lightweight, but it was so warm. I could be outside shoveling snow and that's all I needed. It was just, so what happens is, is I, I wanted to get more, but that was the only one. <laughs> and and at that time, you know, that, comp that company was not available in the United States. So right. the only time I was going to get one is, is if my sister-in-law sent me more. And I was like, all right. So I just kept wearing it every day, wearing it out. But the funny thing is, I still have that fleece. And it still looks the same as the ones that I just bought maybe last month. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem to wear out. And so it just, it's got a life of its own. And I just keep wearing it, wearing it. And Ali, the one who did Blame the Hong and Mark Russo, they just kind of like, oh boy, he's he's wearing that green fleece again. It's just <laughs> <laughs> like I'm if you me. like you saw, like there's a lot of pictures of me in the past with wearing that fleece. It's the definitely. same one. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm hoping we don't run out of time here in terms of the the Zoom meeting. Um they they've been pretty precious with us actually recently. They've been pretty good on extending meeting time. So <laughs> uh, if, if anyone out there is not on the uh, basic one, uh, you know, send me some discount. I'd love to get on board with that one. Um, we're going to come to uh, my very last section of the day. I'm going to miss out one of my questions that I had from earlier. This is Ben's magic eight ball questions. So, James, this is eight questions. My magic eight ball, quick fire, no thinking. So clear your mind, take a deep breath in, breathe out. Let's get ready for our magic eight ball questions. This is how we get to know a little bit more personally about James. You come home to find that your house is on fire. What item do you run in and get? Legos. Yes, definitely Legos. I remember that. What is one <laughs> food that you would eat for the rest of your life if you had to? Steak. Uh, if you had one golf club to play on a, uh, on a golf course, which golf club would you use on that golf course? Lob wedge. Wow. Okay. That's, 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 that's an interesting one. Uh, who's the most famous person that you've ever spent time with? Uh, JFK Jr. JFK Jr. Nice. JFK Jr. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll have you on again. We'll have a big chat about that. That's quite <laughs> interesting. Uh, quick fire, Ben. Come on. If you could pick a song to walk out to on the tee every event, what would it be? Uh, Not For You by Pearl Jam. Good song. Very good song. Been listening to a lot of Pearl Jam recently. Um, <laughs> if you were stuck on a desert island, who would you want to be there with you and why? My wife because you know she she's my first love so good answer <laughs> you're not in the doghouse now my friend that's cool <laughs> if you could bring one musician back from the grave who would it be wow george michael oh yes we're definitely going to talk more about George Michael. I'm a huge George Michael fan. My girlfriend is getting sick of me listening to George Michael. Great artist, great writer. Funny thing yes. for you, actually, I used to live in a place called Pangbourne uh, in Berkshire, which is in the south of England. And um, George Michael grew up in Goring. Uh, well, he didn't grow up. He actually had a house in Goring on the river, which is about six minutes down the road from me. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Here's a fun fact for you going away for you coming to coming away from the eight ball. Um, I was actually driving behind George Michael's Range Rover once because it had um, it had the, the number plate was just four H.A.M. basically for wham. 
and it was a green Range Rover. And I knew that from the from the information that you see in the news that he loved his Range Rovers. I was like, there's no one else that's going to have the number plate wham on the background. So <laughs> like tailgating this guy, trying to get as close as I can. Like, is it George Michael? Is it George Michael? So we'll definitely have more of a chat about that for sure. My last quick fire, which wasn't so quick fire. Um, what's your most common nickname? Honger. Thought it might be. Thought it might be. Definitely for sure. Um, James. You've been a great guest, my friends. I like to keep it nice and short, between about 40 to 45 minutes for each podcast. Um, this is the chance where you get to uh, probably post out there, you know, ping out there. What would you what would you want to plug? This is Plug Central now. What, what do you want to plug out there? To <coughs> uh, you know what? I don't know if there's anything to plug out there right now. It's, you know, with, with everything going on, the way everyone's got a social distance with each other. Uh, I know, like I teased a, a training aid the other day, a speed training aid. Yes, Don't worry, I'll let, pe- yeah, I'll let people know. I mean, a lot of people actually know about it already. So, you know, it's just called the stack system. The and, stack system. Just tell us quickly yeah, a little bit more about the stack system. What does it do? It's just a speed training aid. It gives you protocols based on your personal performance. So uh, it's individualized for people through their app. It's created by Sasha McKenzie and Marty Jertson from Ping. Ping. And I mean, those two guys alone, if you hear those names, you know, this thing must be pretty good. So mm-hmm. I, I, I tell everyone to take a look at that. Definitely. I, I'm a big advocate of yours when it comes to uh, talking about training aids. Uh, I, I love training aids. So I, I use them with all of my students <coughs> all the time. Uh, it's nice to know we both got a leaderboard, uh, which for anyone out there listening, a, a leaderboard isn't what we put the scores on. Uh, it's actually a sliding board, which uh, you can use for many, many different things. Stuart Appleby back in the day used to actually oh, yeah. uh, be the guy that fronted the, the the leaderboard. And it's a shame that they went bankrupt so fast because it, I think it's yeah. a great training aid. So um, Honga, you've been absolutely fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And if you have got any friends out there, any listeners that have got any friends, whether they're a tour professional, a golf coach, or someone that's just super, super interesting, then do get in touch with me uh, at Ben Harvey Golf Performance. Guys, thanks so much for listening. And uh, James, I'm just going to leave you with a, a wave, my friend. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you very soon. You got it. Cheers, my friend. So there we go. That was my interview with James Hong. Again, James, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And if any listeners out there have got any tour professionals they may know, goal professionals, coaches, or just someone that they think might be really funny or super interesting that works in the industry to come on board, then do send me a message at Ben Harvey Golf Performance. You can also get on my website, which is benharveygolfperformance.com. Uh, I provide online golf coaching for anyone around the world, uh, as well as in person. Uh, I'm the head pro up at Ridgeway Golf Club in Caerphilly. Uh, Thanks so much again for listening and look out for my next episode, which is going to be Alex Komen from Orca Golf. Uh, For any listeners that are big into the equipment industry, we're going to have a bit of a chat about a a great smaller brand for our next episode. And uh, get in touch with me, send us a message, drop some likes, comments and shares. But thanks again, and we'll see you soon.